welcome to Hope City Church, Melbourne, Australia. Stay tuned for another inspiring message by Pastor Andrew McGrath. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this day. We thank you, Father, for your spirit, which is who is at work mightily and powerfully today in this place. You've drawn people. You've prepared people for this day. You have a word in season. And I thank you, Lord, that you've anointed all of us with fresh oil for this day. And Lord, my prayer today is that every person, from the youngest to the oldest, would look again. They would look again this year at what it is that you're doing. Give them eyes that see beyond the natural, Lord. Open their eyes to see, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would set people free from the lies of the evil one, that you would open up prison doors for those that have been held in bondage to their past. Cause them to see, Lord, their yesterday, their today, and their tomorrow through your perspective, I pray. I pull down every broken, every negative, every demonic perspective over their past, their today and their tomorrow. I call them into alignment with the perspective of Jesus. Lord, we look through your eyes today at our life. And I speak now eyes that see in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. The title of my message, in case you didn't get it, was Look Again. Look again. I want you to look again. Yesterday, my today, my tomorrow. But I'm saying you, you need to look again. Because you haven't got it quite figured out right. You need to look again. Did you hear that? You need to look again. Isaiah 43, 19 in the expanded Bible says, Look at the new thing that I am going to do. It's already happening. Don't you see it? Don't you perceive it? I'm going to make a road in the desert. See, you thought it was a desert, but God said it's a road. You thought there was no road there, but God sees a road where you just see desert. I'm going to make rivers where there's dry land, where you think nothing can happen. God sees a river where you see futility and dryness. You just need to look again. You've got a fallen perspective. You need to look again. You need to look again at your past. And see it through his eyes. You need to look again at today. You need to look again at tomorrow. Behold, I will do a new thing. Don't you see it? That's the greatest challenge for every person on planet Earth is to see what God sees. This season is all about seeing. Elijah sent his servant to look for rain and he went seven times and it was on the seventh time of looking again, he began to see what was always there. And some of us have looked once and we haven't seen what God's doing and so we've given up. And the Holy Spirit would say to today, look again. Look again, revise, look again at some of the dreams that God gave you. You tried it once, it didn't work out, you stopped looking. Look again. Elijah kept sending the servant back. Look again, look again. The blind man of Bethsaida who Jesus spat on his eyes and laid hands on him. And yet he couldn't see properly. He saw men walking like trees. And what did Jesus do? He didn't give up. He said, look again. 
Go again, look again. We're in the decade, according to the Hebrew calendar, and you've heard this many times of 5770. It's the decade of seeing in the spirit. There is an, a heightening awareness right through the body of Christ in every nation that God is giving his children eyes to see. You've perceived your world a certain way, but God sees it differently. You perceive God working a certain way, but God sees it differently. That's one of the reasons I got you today to sing of God's goodness, because some of you don't see that. You see a God that's indifferent, a God that's painful, and God says you need to look again. Hello. I wrote this in my notes as I was thinking about this. This is a message to some of you or to all of you today. Here it is. I know there is a lot of sameness about this time. But you carry a new level of authority and wisdom from the revelation that you have received because you've embraced a life of mystery. You think it's the same. It feels the same. This year feels the same as last year or as 10 years ago. But it's not the same. It looks the same, but it's not the same. You've just got to see it different. And you're different because you've embraced a life of mystery. So everything's different. It looks the same, but it's all different. I don't know if you're getting this, but it's not the same. It looks the same. It looks like you're walking into another year, but it's not the same. And you're going to learn this today, that things that look the same aren't the same. What looks the same isn't the same because, you, because it's now been entered through another dimension. What looks the same isn't the same because you're entering it through another dimension. What do I mean by that? You can walk into a year in the natural. It's the same year. Or else you can walk into the year in in the spirit realm and it looks the same, but it's different because you're entering in through a different realm. We see this over and over in Scripture. Two people can go to the same place. One enters through the natural realm, one through the realm of the spirit, and they get a totally different outcome. There's money in the same place where there was no money before. But it looks the same. There's joy in the same place where there was no joy before. There's life in the same place where there was no life before. There's hope in the same place where there was no hope before. There's harvest in the same place where there was no harvest before. It looks the same, but it's not the same. And the greatest challenge to the body of Christ is to enter into a season and perceive that nothing has changed. Jesus said, lift up your eyes, look into the harvest. Don't say there's still four months, something needs to shift. It's ready right now, don't you perceive it? And this will be your challenge this year. Will you see what God sees? Or will you go into another year saying, Everything's just the same. I'm here to tell you it's not the same because you've changed. Did you hear me? You've changed. There's money where there was no money before. 
I don't want you going into this year with the same mindsets about your money. You can if you want. Let's get to the main text so you don't freak out. Luke 5 verse 1. I'm going to prove this to you. This is a doozy. Are you ready? And so it was, as the multitudes pressed about Jesus to hear the word of God, that Jesus stood by the lake of Gesenaret, and he saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from the boats, and they were washing their nets. And Jesus got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down, and he taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said, Master, we have toiled all night. You don't know what our year was like in 2014. You don't know, Lord, how hard we've worked. You don't know how hard we've worked and the failure that we've gone through. But nevertheless... At your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught such a great number of fish that their net was breaking. And they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats. They estimated about 14 days worth of fishing, a ton of fish. So both of the boats began to sink. Get a look again in a place that was barren, empty, no fish. How could it be that Jesus sends them back to the very same place and everything's different? you just got to look again. Are you hearing me? Where there was no money, now there's money. Where there was no joy, there's now joy. Where there was no harvest, there's now harvest. you just got to look again. I wonder what it is that you look and perceive as you look back over your year, what's happened? Has it been hard? Has it been easy? Has it been fruitful? Many of us, after a hard year, attempted to park our boat on the shore and pack up like these fishermen did. It's interesting as Jesus comes to this lake and There's a multitude of people and it's interesting to see what Jesus is looking at at this occasion. He's surrounded by people. But as I read this scripture, he's not looking at the people. He's looking at two boats anchored by the shore and fishermen washing their nets. I love this story because it's my story. It's your story if you will look again. This is an amazing story of God preparing people who feel like they're out of season and gets them ready for a season so they can reap a harvest. This is your story because if you will look again this year, you will get the catch of your life. Did you hear me? This is what this story is about. People that had given up, who had parked their boat, and God says, Jesus says, look again. And because they looked again, They were astonished at the outcome. I don't know about you, but I want to live an astonishing life 
in 2015. I want to be astonished by my finances, by my joy level, by my harvest, by my peace, by my freedom. Anybody else? You just got to look again. I can guarantee you if you don't look again, nothing's going to change. It will be the same. I don't want the same. I want to be astonished by the end of this year. I want to say, look at what God has done. I want to have so much fish. I've got to call my partners. God is blessing me so much. I can't stand it anymore. Just as a little note, it's interesting who Jesus looks at. He's looking at those that have tried and failed, not those that have tried nothing that succeeded. He's looking for people that are willing to get back out again, to look again, to take a risk again. And you've got a choice to make this year whether you're going to step out again or whether you're going to back off. Whether you're going to be jaded with life or step out again. Whether you're going to sign up again or whether you're going to quit. Whether you're going to suck your thumb and wait for the rapture, if it exists. So we read this story. Look at me in verse 1. This story, we find fishermen who have lost their hope, their sight, their calling. They've parked their boats. They've anchored their boats at the lake. They've left them and they've washed their nets. I, I've had this attitude. I've had years, many years ago, of course, where I quit. I hung up my nets. I said, I'm not doing it again. I'm not signing up again for another year like that. I've busted my ball. I've worked my guts out. I'm not doing that again. In fact, I never want to see another fish again. Don't give me a boat. Don't take me near water. I have had enough. Has anyone ever had a year like that? But they're about to get an opportunity to look again. And I've got five little things that I want to share with you out of this message that I want you to look again with me. And the first one is this, if you're taking notes. And I hopefully will explain it to you in a way that helps. Number one, I am going to look again, and this is a bit long, this phrase, but I couldn't condense it. I'm going to look again and see the reality of accusing spirits that are assigned to keep me out of the water and my boat on the shore. I will say that again. I'm going to look again and see the reality of accusing spirits that are assigned to kick me out of the water and my boat on the shore. See, I believe, and you don't need to believe this, but you'll feel the effects of it. I believe there are demonic spirits. Some people call them familiar spirits. To me, it doesn't really matter what you label them. There are spirits assigned to, against you and against me that want us to read the events of my yesterday through eyes of unbelief and then project that into today and tomorrow. Did you hear that? There are evil spirits assigned against me that want me to read the events of what happened yesterday and then project that into today and tomorrow. They whisper in my ear all the time, why do you bother? Why don't you just give up? See, no one really cares. They don't listen when you preach. 
They don't change. All day long. Does anyone else ever get those voices? Their, their spirits are signed against us. And I'm going to look again and see the reality that this is not God speaking to me. This is not even my own soul speaking to me. This is not you speaking to me. It's the enemy speaking to me. And he has, been, he has assigned evil spirits against every born-again believer. And their job is to highlight what we perceive to be the failure of yesterday and project it onto today and tomorrow. It's only going to be the same old, same old. You tried hard last year, and what did you get? And they do that all the time. Why bother? Why set goals? Why project into the future? Nothing's going to change. Believe me, I have a hairy bunch assigned against my life, and you could ask Karen, that have come against me. And we sit there, and we allow it to project onto us where we feel that's who we are. But I'm a man of hope. this making sense? They're demonic spirits sent to get you offended with God. And then to permanently anchor your boat on the shore. I am so cheesed off with you, God. Here I am, fishing all night, toiling, sweating. And where are you? The God of fish. In fact, you send them the other way to that other church. You're building their church for my fish. I'm not fishing anymore. I'm not past pulling out nets to fish that don't want to be caught. I'm so cross with you, master of fish. I'm going to take up planting veggies. They can't go anywhere. Let me tell you something about offence. God and Satan... Both use offence to kill you. Did you hear that? God and Satan both use offence in our life. The offence of yesterday to kill us. Satan uses it to wound us. God uses offence to purify us. Satan wants to kill the new man. God wants to kill the old man. Satan wants to weaken your ministry through offense. God wants to strengthen your ministry through offense. If I am hopeless, it's a sign that Satan is killing me and not God. Because when God kills me through offense, fresh hope will come. I'll begin to discover that it's not my hope. I've cried out to God, I have no more hope. You know what he said? Good, have some of mine. For I am the God of all hope. We get offended because we've caught no fish and God says, okay. It's not because I don't want to give you fish, but how about fishing through my eyes? How about taking a backward step and seeing from my perspective what I want to do? Satan wants us to withdraw. He doesn't want us to go back out again. If he had his way, none of us would fish this year. None of us would step out into the deep. None of us would go beyond. We'd all park, we'd all give up. It's a bit like the man in Luke 6 who's got a withered hand. And Jesus comes into the, into the synagogue on the Sabbath. And uh, this withered man is surrounded by accusers. You know, the Pharisees were like a picture of familiar spirits or demonic spirits assigned against us. 
And when we keep hearing those voices, it withers us. It causes us to retract. We're no longer grasping or reaching for destiny for new fish. We retract. And some of you have parked your boat. You've given up. It's too hard. Being offended, being hurt. God's saying today, I want to touch that withered hand. I want you to reach out again. I want you to look again. There is fish in them hills. I mean gold in them hills. There is fish in that ocean. I'm going to look again and see the reality of accusing spirits. A sign to keep me out of the water. You know what? Some of you are believing the very lies from the pit of hell. You're sidelined. You've got your anchor up. You're sunbaking on the shore. You weren't designed to live on the shore. Your boat was designed to be out on deep water and you catching an astonishing amount of fish. You've been sold a lie. God wants you to catch fish. The devil whispers, see, you're not designed to catch fish. You're not fisherman. Look again. Look again. Don't believe those lies. And in fact, right now, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I cut off every lie of the evil. Why don't you raise your hands right now? Father, every accusing lie of the evil one that whispers in your people that says, quit. Why don't you give up? Why don't you park your boat? I cut those lies off in Jesus' name. Every spirit assigned against your people father to take them out we rebuke in the name of jesus and i say father lord that we have the mind of christ we have an anointed man and father we will allow the pain and the misunderstanding of yesterday lord to kill everything that's not of you and lord let fresh hope rise up today i ask i break every assignment of the evil one to take out God's people. People destined to fish in the high seas, Lord. I break off the assignment of the evil one in Jesus' name. I bind you in Jesus' name. I bind your lies. I bind the voices that come at night. I bind the feelings that come, the overwhelming feelings of hopelessness and despair as you wake up in the morning and it comes over you like a cloud. I break that in Jesus' name. And we look again and we see that that's not sent from the Father, but sent from the pit of hell. And we say, the Lord rebuke you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Lord, you've given us eyes to see that it's not you that's taken us out. Lord, you're getting us back in the boat again. We thank you for it, Lord. You're the God of all hope. Thank you, Jesus. All God's people said, Amen. Amen. That was a good point, wasn't it? Number two. The points get quicker, I think. I am going to look again And allow Jesus to redefine my story of yesterday. Did you hear that? Jesus got in the boat, verse 3, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat and taught the multitudes from the boat. I'm going to look again and allow Jesus to redefine my story of yesterday. This is huge. I'm going to look again. And allow Jesus to redefine my story, my perspective of yesterday. Jesus says, can I sit in your boat? And I think, I don't want you sitting in my boat. 
I don't want you to touch my boat. It's my failed calling. It's my area of disappointment. And you want to touch it? You want to sit in a boat? I don't want to go near a boat. Don't talk to me about boats. Don't talk to me about water. Listen. Jesus sits in the place where I have been in so much pain and he begins to teach the crowd from his perspective. The fact that Jesus sits tells me this. He is assuming authority and rulership in my place of pain. The greatest thing you can do where you have a misunderstanding of your yesterday is invite Jesus to sit in that very place as King of Kings and Lord of Lords and say, Jesus, I need your perspective on what has just happened. Are you getting this? This is life changing. I've been through some radically challenging times and one of the things I've learned is, God, in the midst of this, I don't want my emotions, my perspective to define what's happening now. Give me your perspective. What is going on here? Come and sit in my boat and be Lord and Master of my perceptions. Some of you have allowed environment, circumstances to be Lord of what is taking place and to call the shots and define your identity. And not Jesus. Jesus, come and speak into my pain. I need you. Is this making sense? And Jesus comes and he puts his finger right. He has this ability to put his bony little finger on the very place of my disappointment and say, can I sit there? And some of you have got deep disappointments. Things that didn't work out. Maybe business ventures, healings, miracles, dreams, ambitions. And Jesus today is putting his finger on those and saying, I want to sit in that place. I want to come back and be Lord over that area. I have the right to be Lord over the dreams that I gave you, that you've given up on because it didn't work out. You allowed yesterday to define what's going to take place today and tomorrow. And it's your wrong perspective, the way you see things, that is robbing you of your harvest. There's a harvest out there. Yes, you got it right. There is a harvest there. You just need my perspective. We can leave behind the pain and the challenges of yesterday to the degree that we see them through his perspective. Yesterday, today, and tomorrow are intimately and divinely connected together. We can't ignore one and hope to prosper in the other. You can't just pretend yesterday didn't happen and allow the enemy to define that and think you're going to prosper today. The Hebrew way of thinking is circular. Jesus is present yesterday, today and forever. They all are connected together. If you don't have right perspective of yesterday, you'll never have it of today and tomorrow. It's so essential. I'm going to allow Jesus to redefine my story of yesterday. I want my yesterday to align. See, I'm so aware of that as I come into 2015. God, I don't want my yesterday to be out of alignment with my today and tomorrow. I can't just forget about that and bury disappointments and wrong perspectives because I know they're going to come and bite me. I've got to get yesterday right. I've got to see you as Lord and God of everything that took place in 2014, the good and the bad. Because I want my harvest. 
I didn't go through all that not to get a harvest. If anyone's got a bad perspective in life, it's Gideon. And I just want to quickly sidetrack to him for a minute. Because he's a man who is so cheesed off with God. He's saying, God, if, if you're really Lord, why are all these bad things happening in my past? Where are you? Why did my 2014 suck? I don't want to ask for hands as anyone that has asked the Lord that. This is the way Gideon said it. Sorry for using strong language. He said, where are the miracles that our father told us about saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? Where are these miracles, Lord, that our fathers told us about? Gideon, they told you about these miracles so your yesterday would be defined by his goodness. They told you about the miracles so that you would be reminded that in all things, God is good. He says, but Lord, you've forsaken us. Where are the miracles? And God said, Gideon, the miracle's inside of you. But you refused to believe yesterday. You refused to believe that God was working in all things. And so your miracle lies locked up inside you. See, some of us have missed the opportunity of today the miracle of today is locked inside you because you have not defined yesterday properly. Gideon was the answer. Did you get that? He was the one, the one, that would free all of Israel. Where are the miracles? They're inside you, buddy. But you've locked them up because you've refused to define God in all your yesterday. So now you're cheesed off. Where are you, God? Interesting, isn't it? God wanted to reveal so much more to Gideon. But Gideon was locked down because he refused to see God in all of life. So God gets Gideon to get a seven-year-old bull. And it's interesting because Gideon's nation had been in bondage for seven years from the Midianites. God says, I want you to get that bull. And I want you to tear down all the idols that are associated with the bondage and the pain of yesterday. I want you to tear down those idols and I want you to get that bull and I want you to sacrifice to me on top of all the idols of the past. What is God saying? He's saying, you want to gather up all your disappointments of the last seven years. I want you to pull them all down. Then I want you to put a bullock on top of all that and I want you to dance and celebrate and exalt me as Lord and God over all your yesterday. And it's in that place he gets a revelation of Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is our peace. See, if you will do that, if you will honour God in your yesterday, God will unlock deep truths and mysteries in your today. And it's the mysteries, as we're going to see in this story, Luke 5, the deep, the deep, launch out into the deep. That word deep, again, is bathos, which is profound mysteries. Jesus is saying, I'm going to launch you out into profound mysteries of the kingdom that will unlock a realm where before you caught nothing, now you can't help but catch fish. And that will only happen if you look at your yesterday properly. Or else the miracle is going to be locked up inside you. I'm speaking to someone today. You've got a wrong perspective and you're not going to go back out. God's saying, you know what? I want you to rewrite the perspective of your yesterday and then go out again. Launch out. 
If I can change my testimony, I can change my today and tomorrow. Peter said, we've toiled all day and night, all night. We've worked and worked. That was his testimony. We tried and failed. But now as he sits at the feet of Jesus and he hears hope and he gets fresh vision, as Jesus sits in the boat preaching and teaching, something begins to rise up in Peter and he begins to redefine what has taken place. And he says, Jesus, even though yesterday doesn't make sense, nevertheless, at your word, I'm going to go again. I'm going to look again. Are you hearing me? If I can change my testimony... I can change my today and tomorrow. And some of you just need to allow God to bring perspective of your yesterday. How can God make sense of my mess? You know what? Even if you never understand, allow him to sit in your boat and be Lord of your disappointments. Should I say that again? Because I've got no response. Even if you don't understand... Choose to say, you are Lord over my disappointments. I'll say it again. Even if you don't understand, choose to say, you are Lord over my disappointments. It is the key to unlocking profound mysteries that go into your future. Get back in the boat. Allow him to minister your heart. Launch out into the deep. This is critical. The key for us moving forward this year is to deal with the disappointments and the misunderstandings of last year. It positions us for greater breakthrough. Number three, and this is a short one, I'm going to look again for words of hope. In this boat, I can't help but imagine that Peter got it so discouraged. All right, I'll push the boat out. That's what you want. You are Lord after all. He pushes the boat out. He sits there with his arms folded. And Jesus begins to teach the crowd. And do you know what? Because he's the God and the source of all hope. You can't help but get some hope when you sit in the boat with the Lord of hope. And I think God is allowed. You know, what's the purpose of this last season? Why, why would I work so hard and get nothing? Maybe to come to the end of your own hope. I don't know. Maybe there's other reasons. I'm not here to answer every question. I don't know the purpose of your yesterday. But I know for me there's times where I come to the end of my hope and I sit in the boat and Jesus begins to speak and fresh hope rises up. Because look, where you're going, where God has assigned you to go, you need supernatural hope. Should I say that again? You're not falling asleep on me? Where you're going, you need supernatural hope. I don't forget this, but Peter's about to go into another dimension. He's about to go into a portal. I like that word, portal. He's about to go into something supernatural. The catch that God has defined for you isn't a natural thing. It's a supernatural. It is otherworldly. 
And you need a supernatural hope that will sustain you through that. I want his hope to define my yesterday, today and forever. Some of you need new hope. You've lost your hope. Romans 4.18 says, Abraham, against all hope, in hope believed. When there was no natural means of hope anymore, where there was just no way possible for it to happen, God gave him supernatural hope. Listen to me. There was no fish in that lake. There was no hope. They'd tried every trick. They'd sung Kumbaya. They'd put up their sail. They'd throw in aniseed. They'd done every trick, some burly. They'd sung to the fish. They'd tried everything. They'd looked at the moon. and There was no fish there. There was no hope. But all of a sudden, as they listened to the words of Jesus, fresh hope came. Fresh hope came. There's fish in there. You see, they weren't wrong about fish being there. Some of you have picked up things of the Spirit. You've picked up dreams and vision, ideas. And you've gone out there and it hasn't worked out and you thought you were wrong. No, the disciples were right. There was fish there. They just had to be accessed through another realm. Are you hearing me? Somebody's got ears to hear what I'm saying now. What you need is just, it's there, but it can only be accessed through the realm of mystery. Launch out into the deep. It looked the same, but it wasn't the same. They went to the same spot. They fished in the exact same spot, but it was like they were in a different dimension. Throw that out there. I'm going to look again, number four, and embrace my boat. What's the boat represents the calling? Peter was born to fish. Him and the net were one. He had a gift. He had an anointing. It was who he was. He was a fisherman. And some of you have got inklings of your calling and it hasn't worked out. So you just say, well, maybe God's changed his mind. Well, the Bible says that the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. God doesn't change his mind. You know, we've talked about that over the last number of weeks, about the calling of God. The calling of God will die with you. It will go to the very end of the grave. And just because it hasn't worked out the first time, Peter was born to fish. But the way what God has called you to do, it has to be embraced through mystery and deep revelation. It's, it comes from a different realm. It's not naturally led. You're not going to achieve your calling with a degree from Monash University or any Bible college. And there's nothing wrong with that. But, but the callings are embraced as you begin to see things in the spirit and you flow in that realm and you access fish from another place. I don't know if this is making sense, but some of you have embraced your calling at a natural level and they've got no fruit. And now you deduct that you're not called. I'm going to look again and get back into my boat and say, you know what, I am called. God did not make a mistake. There's fish out there in that sea. God's called me to fish. That anointing, some of you have anointing to make money or whatever it is. And, and you, you do your first investment and it falls over and you say, well, there you go, I wasn't called. And you pull back. You're playing it safe now. 
I'm not touching that calling again. It bites. No. You just have to embrace mystery. It's a work of the Spirit. It's not logical. You tried to do something in the Spirit with the flesh and you failed. Don't give up though. Let Jesus back in the boat to define all the mess that you've made. Not all mess is bad mess. If you're strong-willed, it takes a few knocks to make you understand that without him we can do nothing. (laughs) Is it a wasted year? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Some people never learn that. I've taken 48 years. I'm slowly starting to learn without him we can do nothing. And lastly, I'm going to look again and embrace a life of mystery for it is where Jesus is heading and it's where provision lies. I'll say it again. I'm going to look again and embrace a life of mystery. We are strange people, really. I'm going to look again and embrace a life of mystery for it's where Jesus is heading and it's where provision lies. I don't know if I can explain this right, but it was almost like there was fish in another dimension and the only way to that was through mystery. Launch out into mystery is literally what it says. Launch out into a profound lifestyle and there let down your nets for a catch. We as a church have embraced a life of mystery. We've embraced the work of the Spirit. We believe God speaks to us in all sorts of weird and wonderful ways. And embracing a life of mystery opens you up to profound encounters and profound harvests. mystery how God can wake up unbelievers or I shouldn't say unbelievers people who just don't know that God loves them wants to save them in the middle of the night and give them profound revelation that opens up their heart I'm dealing I'm working with a, a friend with a man now who helped our church a number of years ago and God woke him up in the middle of the night and began to speak to him and give him strategies And when you embrace a God of mystery and signs and wonders and speaks in unusual ways, it opens you up. And some of us are trying to get to the harvest using natural means. And I'm here to tell you that the harvest that God has for you cannot be accessed through toil and hard work. One of the downsides to toil and hard work is when you get it, you won't want to give it away. Have you noticed the people that are rich that work really hard for it? Can't give it away. But those that get it easy, it's easier to give it away. But where we're going, we're going to need mystery. God's going to wake you up and teach you peculiar things. And as you launch out into the deep, I'm here to tell you this year is a catch. I wrote here the disciples were onto something. They tried to access that something without understanding the mysteries and realms of the kingdom. And I want to encourage you this year to embrace a God of mystery. 
who wants to speak to you in so many ways, would you open up your spirit this year and say, God, teach me how you speak. And it's not just one way. It's not just through the word, and that's really important. But God wants to speak to you in so many ways and unlock realms of blessing to you. You just got to look again. See, the fish were always there. They just had to look again. Launch out into the deep. I said to you at the start, there's money where there was no money before. There's joy in the household where there was no joy before. God will give you a profound mystery that will unlock things in relationships that will cause joy to come. So I want to say that this year I'm going to go deeper. Because mysteries always lead to realms of heaven on earth. Would you do that with me? Would you deal with the past? Let God bring perspective? Would you let him bring words of hope to your life? So we face this year with excitement. See, Romans 15, 13 says, The God of all hope is going to fill you with joy and peace as you believe in him. So that you would overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine that? Looking at this year and overflowing with hope in every area of your life. Should I say that again? The Holy Spirit wants to come into your boat and he wants to cause you to so overflow with hope. So when Jesus begins to speak to you, as he sits in your boat and he deals with a disappointment and defines your day, you will so overflow with hope in every area of your life. And how do you know you've got hope? Because the Bible says in Romans 15, 13, that joy and peace accompany hope. If you've got no joy and peace in a circumstance, there's no hope. Joy and peace are indicators of hope. I'm going to go deeper. I'm going to allow God to bring hope into my life and allow him to define my yesterday. And then I'm going to make this decision this year. I'm going deeper. Because it's where the harvest is. And I don't care if people think I'm crazy. They think you pray too much, sing too much, pray in tongues too much, laugh too much, shake too much, fellowship with the Holy Spirit too much, look for signs too much. I don't care. I'm just going deeper. I'm going deeper. The crowd thought Jesus was crazy. He was just deeper than anyone else. And the call this year for our church is, do you want to go deeper? Do you want to press in more? Do you want to hunger more? Do you want to believe for more? Do you want to laugh more, praise more? Why? Because out there in that realm, we can crack into a portal, a dimension where there's so much fish that you won't know what to do with it. You launch out. I'm going to look again and embrace a life of mystery. Beware of people that challenge you and tell you not to embrace mystery. Because all that is is an invitation to a life of hard work and toiling. But when Jesus is in the boat, you're going to catch more than you can ever imagine. So I ask now, Father, cause us to look again, to look again, to look again, to look again, to see what you see about this life that we've had over the last year. I thank you, Lord, that each of these points have spoken to different people. To some, they've perceived that there's these lying spirits that have tried to define the yesterday. 
For others, they begin to see how the yesterday and today and their tomorrow is all entwined and they need to deal with perspective so they don't spill out over to today and tomorrow. For others, Lord, you've come to bring words of hope, to overflow with hope. You want to get in their boat, be Lord of all their life, yesterday, today and forever, and speak so they brim with hope about going out again. For others, Lord, you want them to take ownership of their boat again and get in. That calling that you gave, that dream that you gave, it's real. It's theirs. And there's a harvest for them, Lord. I thank you for that, Lord. That giftings and callings, Lord, are not there to frustrate them. But you're teaching them, Lord, that every calling and gifting needs an anointing that enables us. And we rely upon you afresh. We look again. We see that again. And Father, we look again and embrace a life of mystery because it's out there we get our catch. So I release over every person here today an increase in mysteries and revelations. Put your hands up wherever you are. Father, I release right now dreams and visions Godly encounters, numbers, sequences, colors, animals. However you want to talk, Lord. You've talked so many ways through the scriptures. Lord, reveal to them the language between you and them. Open them up, extend it, expand it. Expand mysteries and dreams. Lord, what they thought was a kingdom, you said, Lord, it's so small. I want to increase it. I want to break down the walls, kick them out, enlarge them and say, you know what? Your perspective of the kingdom is about to be overshadowed by my perspective. Teach them the language of the kingdom. Mysteries and revelation. Wake them up in the night. Speak to their spirit. Enlarge them. Launch them out into the deep realms of the spirit. Take them up into heavenly places. Cause them to have angelic encounters and revelation. Cause them to sit at the feet of Jesus and to be fed by the Master. Enlarge them, Lord. Everything you've done in the Scripture, Lord, let it happen in us, Lord. Cause us to be expanded this year. Launch us out into the lifestyle of deep, profound mysteries. And Lord, as you do that, we know there's a catch. Lord, where there was barrenness before, there's going to be a river in the desert. There's going to be a road in the wilderness. Where we thought we could never make way, all of a sudden, because of mysteries and revelation, there's going to be breakthrough. And I decree that over every family, every life, every individual, breakthrough and increase and harvest like never before. I rebuke the spirit that says it's just going to be the same again. And I say, look again, look again, look again. Be stretched by this day. I just pray and decree that you'll never be the same again. You'll never look at your day again the same way. You won't look at yourself the same way. You won't look at the circumstances, the challenges, the harvest, the dream, the things, the strategies that God has for you. You won't look at them the same way again. Thank you, Father. Lord, even as a body, and we, we now project our heart and our hands around this city, and we look again, we say, Lord, you are well able to take the city. Lord, launch us out into deep, profound mystery that we bring a harvest in this city. Lord, as we think of the city right now, 
Lord, it's been a hard, barren place for so long. People have toiled and sweated and there's been so little harvest. But we feel you getting into our boat and speaking words of hope and love over this city. We sense the moving of the Spirit and we will not allow our disappointment and the history of this city to define its future. We look again and we know there's a harvest over this city. We've seen it in the realms of the Spirit and in the same place where there was barrenness, we decree fruitfulness now. In Jesus' name. Lord, right now I pray over the suburbs that nobody's gone to. Hawthorne, Baldwin, Turak, areas where in the mind of the believer we've said it's way too hard to reach. There's no fish there. Launch us out again, Lord, into these realms, into fields where no one's gone. I ask in Jesus' name. Come on, church, pray over these areas. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Release mysteries and revelation that would unlock areas that have been, Lord, closed in our minds. Lord, I just release mysteries and revelation and opportunities to your people to go back into the same places where there's been barrenness and now there's a great harvest. I release profound mysteries. It's there for you, you just have to take it. Thank you, Father. So I want you to say in your heart before we close today, Lord, I receive your mysteries. Just tell him now. Tell him now. Oh, how he wants to share with you his mysteries. He's going to take you to that place. He stayed in the boat with Peter. I'm going to take you to a place of mystery. I'm going to reveal to you things you've never seen before. I'm going to bring you into realms that have been unheard of before. You are not to define your today and tomorrow by what has taken place yesterday. Behold, I will do a new thing. Shall you not perceive it? I'll make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I pray that this word today would settle in the heart of every believer. May it sit in their heart this week and stir them. As I've imparted your heart, Lord, let it rest in their spirit and begin to germinate and bear fruit and bring revelation and insight and passion and hope, I pray. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen.